0: We are here with Megan. Megan, how are you?
1: I'm so good. How are you?
0: Well, I'm really good. And after you telling me before we press record that this is your first podcast you've been asked to be on.
1: It is. It is. Better, even I'm better. so honored to be a guest. So thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, no problem. Have you tried to be on other podcasts or you're just kind of like wow, I got an invitation.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I am probably more have focused on having people on my podcast. I've maybe reached out to a couple to say, Hey, but I don't think any of them have really been a good fit, but oh. <laughs> you know, there's a first for everything, right?
0: There's a first for everything. Yeah. I've uh, done over 400 episodes now. And like, so, I, I've had a lot of firsts with people Yeah, for that with, so uh, that's always a lot of fun for me. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: So cool. I don't talk to actually all the time people like that are in my industry. So it's always a pleasure to do that. My podcast is all over the place. Like,
1: yeah. Well, that's, that's what makes it interesting, right? Yeah.
0: It's like <laughs> basically a jukebox. It's a playlist of different yeah. things. and stuff. Yeah. So you were in the world of wellness, just like myself. So what got you into it?
1: That's a really good question. So I always knew from a young age that I wanted to help people. And specifically, I'll tell you the very first thing that I even remember was that like my parents kind of like encouraged is that my grandfather was, you know, he, my great grandfather, actually, he was getting older. So I would like help change his socks and help shave his mm-hmm. face. Oh, all right. And then so I always just like loved helping people. And then when I was in college I wanted to be a nurse so I was like okay well exercise science sounds great that's kind of in the same field maybe I'll go to PA school and then I took my first biology class and did not do well and I was like okay nursing school is not going to happen I do not want to be in school this long and learn this yeah. stuff so I kind of just fell into exercise and so then I you know I strength trained being on the tennis team in college and I did a little bit of personal training in um in high school, just like, you know, I was the student. And then when I moved to California, I had my health and fitness specialist certification, walked into a gym and never left.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yeah. What, what's what been the, like, uh, maybe some of the challenges that you've had to deal with being in the business?
1: Well, I think that's, I mean, as a coach or as a um, business owner, because those are two good
0: perspectives to discuss, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think a big one is eh, kind of having to apply the discipline to myself and knowing Mm -hmm. that in order for me to be a good coach, I need to live by example. And that's, it's been hard, but it's also been the fun part of it. Right. So if I'm, if I'm not willing to do something, why is any of my students, why would they do it if I don't do it myself? So kind of, taking the initiative and learning new things. I honestly don't even think things are hard. I think they're fun. I look at them as challenging.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, tell me like the, the, the challenge of kind of walking the talk, you know, talking the whole thing, like, what was the biggest issue for that? You said, Oh, I had to like, bring those both together. What was difficult about it?
1: having to apply the discipline because I mean, naturally we want to do the easy things, right? Like we want to have the pumpkin pie and the ice cream and go out and have cocktails and eat burgers, but kind of going, no, like if I want to be the healthiest version of myself, if I want to reach my weight loss goal, if I want to reach my muscle goals, I have to Make sacrifices. So, kind of learning to say no and setting boundaries yeah. was challenging, especially when, you know, being social and having alcohol and going to get beers. And that's kind of what the social norm is for people my age. That's like, yeah. it's hard to be in that and say no to that.
0: Right. Yeah. And, I mean, are you still, I mean, you, you seem pretty young. You're probably still in that kind of age range. I would imagine honestly, when does the age range end? I mean, I'm in my (laughs) 40s, I'm still having a great time. What are we talking about? (laughs) (laughs) That's so true. That's so true. Well, it doesn't die. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. You know, so I know I've, I've hired a lot of trainers in my life for different things. And there is a pressure sometimes to feel like you have to be this model of what it means to be well or be fit in those things. And so you're saying that you've struggled with that at times or that that has been something that is, it's in your mind, you know?
1: Well, I think it took me a while to align with it authentically because when I first started, I, um, you know, I like went through all of the motions with the training, right? Like you go through, you get your certification, you're a personal trainer, which I never got that, but, um, <laughs> like mine's an exercise physiologist. So like I, I automatically never got my personal training, but it's an exercise physiology certification.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, but anyway, it, it went through that because it was just what you do next after college. And then, when I was in college, I had a guy who was on the track team teaching me how to strength train and I hurt myself. You know, wow. I, like the first time I ever picked up a squat rack, I had two 25s on there. Obviously yeah. I hurt myself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So
1: I was really scared of strength training, but then, um, so kind of working through a lot of back issues. Like I went through the whole shebang of getting, um, spinal taps and physical therapy and traction. So I was because of that injury with strength training. Yeah. So then I was like, okay, well, yoga is great. Right. But I still had this basically strength training certification that I had. So I was doing yoga because it felt good. But then I was lucky enough to find a teacher who taught me how to train functionally in a way that helped reduce injury and helped strengthen me in ways that were for where I was at, not just, you know, training like the boys (laughs) Uh per se. So it took that whole journey of, um, becoming in alignment with being a health and fitness specialist was a, you know, you, you, you push through the fear of this hurt me in the past. Why would I do it again? And learning to do it the right way.
0: Right. No, it makes sense. You know, it's always interesting how people learn how to do things and who teaches them something. And people often don't, recognize that they are this focal point for whether it's negative or positive of how something starts to go yeah the person maybe they're thinking i'm just trying to help you you know but but then they don't recognize their level of expertise or lack of expertise just because you're in a sport doesn't mean you have the knowledge to actually teach someone you know
1: yeah and that's I think sometimes with the specifically like personal training and fitness industry it's can be a little bit scary because the barrier to entry is very low for it Whoa. sort of yeah <laughs> very low. So it's um it's almost a not a, I guess it's a challenge for other people to know cuz there's so much out there to know what really is going to help them and work for them. I guess is why we do things like this, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, you want to want to get the information out like Um, I mean, obviously I've talked a lot of my colleagues and I'm on a lot of committees with my colleagues in different organizations, but I'm always curious about what individual, uh, trainers or health and fitness specialists think about this time we're in Mm. for that. And you mentioned about the industry. Let's talk about the industry. This is a collegial conversation. (laughs) What are your overarching thoughts about where we're currently at in the fitness industry as a profession?
1: Um, that's a great question. I think on um, some ways it's scary because you have all of these people who, you know, maybe were just good at exercise. And then so they become like, let me film a bunch of videos of me doing the exercises. And then, you know, they get a bunch of people doing it, but is, is there what they're teaching? Is that just to look good? Is that to feel good? Is it based in science? Is it, you know, is there a program to it? Are you just getting exercises? So it's, 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 um, it can be confusing for a consumer to know what they're getting and why they're getting it and who is giving it to them and
0: what their qualifications are. You think that the consumer equates popularity with expertise?
1: Yes. Definitely.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, 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 would say that I feel like the consumer is not very knowledgeable about the ins and outs of what makes a effective health and fitness specialist, but it's like a lot of things we subscribe intelligence to people based off of their popularity right? without knowing if they actually have intelligence for those things.
1: Um, I have to tell you, I reached, I don't even know how this happened, but someone on social media had, was looking for a sub for their program. And I was like, cool, they've got like 50,000 followers. They need a sub. This might be good for me. And after, um, kind of doing a little bit more research and seeing what they were doing, you know, it was like a good workout, but it was in, in no way in alignment with anything that I would teach yeah. And watching some of the videos, you know, it was just her doing the workout and like, you know, cheering people on, but there was sure. no strategy behind it. And there was also like, I, you know, I, I film videos where I'm doing exercises for people to follow, but I'm instructing along the way and telling them why they're doing it. And then also giving them modifications and corrections. I'm not just like, hey, go do this workout and try yeah. to get as hard as you can. There's, yeah. there's yeah. a, purpose behind it and it's to help them function and keep getting
0: results right so what were your thoughts after that like once you when you were we saw that did it did it change your view or confirm different things what were your thinking after you were exposed to that
1: it was it was kind of a, a that's a great question I would say one it made me a lot more stronger in myself and what I teach and mm. to stay in line with those principles and to not give up my values just for a little bit more
0: exposure, mm-hmm.
1: if that makes sense. That makes um, perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, And and also made me just value what I do more because I, I know that it's structured, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. And I've been in the business for 21 years and I've had a really good business, steady the entire time, variety of things. And I always tell people like, you actually really don't need all this other stuff to have a, a good business. Yeah. Like everyone tells you, you have to do this, you have to do viral I said, but I know so many people who haven't done any of that and yeah. they have like really good careers in our business. I think we're just not, those stories aren't being told as much, you know, what's reported is like so-and-so has all these followers and doing that, but there's always more than one way to get to a point of success. Right. It's not just like follow this, you know.
1: Well, you know, my first business that I had was brick and mortar, and that thing was pulling in gross five hundred thousand dollars a year, but we had 150 that or just 150 followers on social media. So like just social media really means nothing. It's not
0: no. (laughs) Actually, I saw an article that I was reading was about book sales. Yeah. And it was how like the major book publishers even if somebody has like a mega ton of followers that they're barely selling any copies right. of the book. Yeah. You know? And so they're like getting upset about like, why should we be giving this huge upfront money to things that actually aren't, there's really no inter- return on investment. Yeah. What, what does the consumer actually doing? Are they actually engaging with these folks or is it just following just to be kind of nosy about that? Yeah. Them? yeah. And I think that's, it's an interesting thing for our business is that there's lots of people who are successful who really don't give a lot of effort into social media. They really don't. And I want that to be an inspiration for you, because I know so many young trainers feel like they have to do all this stuff and compromise their values to get get money, you know?
1: Yeah. And I'll be honest, I've been, um, I've been traveling for about the last year. I spent eight months in London and then I spent two months in Vancouver and then a little bit in Ohio. And my brick and mortar was in Southern California. Yeah, And I, through traveling, I realized that community, is so much more valuable than anything. So I decided to move back to Southern California to be able to connect with the community and add value into the community that way and grow my business that way by being able to, you know, I don't really care how many people are looking at what I'm getting. Like I kind of just do it
0: (laughs) (laughs) just because I feel
1: like I should, but it's not, it's not what's, it's not what's important. So it's hard for me to want to do it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And then that's a message I think is important. Like, you got to stay true to what feels right for you. Yeah, what you're doing. And if you're on certain platforms and stuff, and you don't feel like it's something you want to do, don't do it. Yeah, like you don't have to, you're not required to be on certain things, you know.
1: Yeah, well, and what's more valuable than you actually or what's gonna even help you grow more if you are walking down the street, introducing yourself to someone, walking to a business, say, Hey, can I offer your company anything? or you know, going into a community center. These relationship building is going to be so much more value than follower building. It's like the social (laughs) currency versus the uh, financial currency.
0: Yeah, exactly. Most definitely. It's interesting. Do you think that people in your age group are starting to understand this more or they're just still like maybe struggling with this idea?
1: You know, I'm the very wrong person to ask that because I do (laughs) not relate well to my age. group. Wait a minute.
0: Let's (laughs) talk about this. What does that mean?
1: Um, that's a good question. I, I honestly don't socialize that much with people, my age. <laughs> what is that? Why? Um, I think because I'm very focused on my job. Um, I don't, I've just found that people, my age, their a lot of more of their values are more around what kind of fun can I have? And Mm -hmm. so it's hard for me to find people who are in alignment with fun for me is like, let's do some (laughs) self-study and read a book and talk about (laughs) the book and maybe do a paint night at home. Not let's Uh go out and spend money and eat donuts and have drinks. (laughs)
0: Yeah, Yeah.
1: But I mean, yeah, I guess, I guess if we're going to go with like the small amount of people that I do socialize with, like we are talking about like what book we're reading we're yeah. like how are we growing our business it's not like look at all this people following me <laughs> <laughs> or let me make sure i snap a pic and put this uh food on my instagram yeah. story
0: you are different aren't you look at me <laughs> i mean you know this this obsession with documenting everything yeah. about your life is uh is so strange to me it's actually well, really strange
1: yeah. to me it, I mean, it's taking away the human connection. Like, and I, I can get it at the same time. Like I understand it, but what's more important you having a meaningful connection with somebody or you and your friend walking down the street and you're both on your phones. Like what? Yeah. What?
0: <laughs> yeah. And what's even what's also not particularly good when you see fitness i haven't i haven't done this in a while but like when you see fitness professionals and they're on their phone while working with people this is really disrespectful but i feel like it's it's part of this generation where they just don't understand almost this social etiquette of things sometimes you know
1: well we're entering into a whole different era i think like i don't even know i don't even know what It'll be interesting once I start getting exposed to people who are like 20, 18, kind of that age to learn their behavior. Cause I'm honestly mostly exposed to people 40 and up.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. So you said a whole new era. Do you have an idea of what you think that era is going to be? I mean, there's lots of discussions about the future of fitness, all that stuff. Where are we headed?
1: Well, I, I was kind of more leaning towards just the the social aspect with technology and the way that we communicate with people. But I actually really haven't thought about the direction that the fitness industry is going. And it's, it's a very interesting, um, I really haven't given it much thought to be completely honest, but you got the whole virtual world. You have things like the you know, Peloton and the mirror coming Mm -hmm. out, but I think there's a lot to be said for the things that you do with people and getting that immediate feedback with each client of like, when you're in a mirror, you don't have like, Hey, Sally, pull your shoulders back or keep your cord tight or don't let your knees cave in. Like you're not getting that as much personalized feedback and you really need that to be able to function at your best, like a mirror is not going to tell you to pull your yeah. knees out or give you some customized opinion of what your body mechanics are doing.
0: Well, I think that they, they also fool the public in the sense that they will say these things are live. Yeah. Instructors, but they're actually not. It yeah. may feel like, oh, this is live, but you're also in a very large setting with a lot of people virtually. And there's really no aspect of personalization with it. Um, and so it's this concept of it's live but it's also pre-recorded yeah uh, it's also stationary it's in one yeah. spot yeah and you're buying something that you can't take with you it's yeah. not mobile which I you know I've done actually a lot of talks on the future of fitness and stuff with uh, presentations and I have given it a lot of thought actually well right let now. me
1: hear you what you think
0: you Well, know, you know what I actually think the, the future is um, is very wild for fitness yeah. just yeah. because fitness has always been, kind of, unfortunately, kind of the snake oil salesman aspect of things where, you know, the late night infomercial, the gimmicky things here, fitness is, has always been part of kind of the gimmicky uh, world of of gadgetry and stuff. And I think technology just exacerbates that. I don't think it's all bad. I think that if you can give more people access to stuff from different parts of the world, that can be a positive thing how is it being presented? There's holographic technology, VR, augmented reality. I mean, I actually think holographic technology could be really big in the future. Definitely. That. And yeah. there's a company called Portal that's actually, I think in LA and uh, they already have a holographic machine. It's just wow. very expensive, you know? Yeah. So I think the, we'll continue to progress towards this more digital world, but that the in-person element is always gonna be very critical. There it goes. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> we had a we had, we had a we had an accident, slight accident. <laughs> Jeez, some beats. I don't think Megan liked what I was saying. She was, <laughs> she was so upset about it, I think. man, Shaking
1: right. things up here. Sorry, goodness. geez,
0: your first episode, you start breaking things. I mean, like, how dare you? Oh remember? my gosh. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. Yeah. Where were we? So I think that's the future of the business is kind of a hybrid approach model that there will be, I think at some point the technology will be indistinguishable from real life on some version of it, but that the real life component will always be really important.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: You know, so I think it's important to know about it. I mean, the business is always changing in different ways and how we monetize it, how we work with people. Things change quicker than ever now. It's always changing. But I think you don't always have to be a part of everything that's changing as well, you know?
1: Yeah. Definitely.
0: I mean, you're still you shook up from the 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 microphone falling. <laughs>
1: <laughs> We're good. We're good.
0: Yeah, you're like, let me get back together here. <laughs> oh my like,
1: god, let me make sure my microphone's still plugged in.
0: <laughs> I think it's still plugged in. You sound it great. It. You sound it's great okay. for that. So do you do you well, pre-pandemic and all this stuff? Do you spend time going to conferences or things like that or chatting with your colleagues, other of our colleagues in the business?
1: Definitely. Well, honestly, I think I was in a little bit of an echo chamber for a couple of years because I bought a gym. So I was so honestly kind of a little bit, put my education on the back burner for Mm a year or two, maybe. I mean, I still did my continuing education credits and everything, but my main focus was like learning how to run. A gym and learning yeah. how to manage people and how, what is the strategy that I need to grow this? What do I want it to look like? Um, but other than that, yes. And I really enjoy, I like in learning about the minute stuff. So I've studied a lot with, um, Gary gray, mm-hmm. which he, you know, he usually treat, teaches more physical therapists, but other, you know, fitness professionals yeah. learn from him and I love the mechanics. And then, I've recently been diving into um, uh, Paul Check's Institute mm-hmm. and taking his holistic lifestyle coaching program. And only because I like, I love the mechanics and the minute, but throughout my experience, I've been learning that there's so much more to exercise than or health than just exercise. And there's so much more to exercising and being healthy than just the fitness aspect. So, really wanting to dive into this whole holistic aspect. So I'm excited once things start to become, I don't even want to say normal because they're never going to be. How but do once, you know? <laughs> yeah. So just once live things start happening, there's always so much energy and inspiration yeah. that you get from being around other professionals in the industry. So I'm very much looking forward to that to happen.
0: Most definitely. I want to understand a little bit of how being in the business has affected you as a person, how you've grown by being in the business? <laughs> That's
1: such a loaded question.
0: Yeah. I love loaded questions. <laughs>
1: um, I am such a better person for it. And I've totally learned that there's this Again, like I was saying, it's not just about the exercise, but there's this whole like mindset component to it and really learning that if your mindset's not there, you can exercise all you want. But if you're not actively shifting your mindset into the lifestyle that you want to have and start saying no to the things that you need to say no to and start saying yes to the things that are going to help you be the best, you know, trainer, boss, leader, like, Uh, I don't even know. Look, I started training in February of 2015. And so just to see, like, think about that girl seven years ago, she knew nothing.
0: (laughs) What's the biggest difference?
1: Uh, Maturity. (laughs) In what way? Um, I would say almost acknowledging of responsibilities because it was just like fun. Here I am helping people get healthy to like really taking ownership of what that job really means. And as a coach, having to ask hard questions when it's not comfortable for you to ask hard questions. And that also kind of comes into alignment with, you know, making sure that you're living in alignment, because if you're, if you're challenging somebody on the way that they're acting, thinking, eating, exercising, you have to be willing to look at yourself and go, Hey, am I actually doing that? You know, like I can't. So that in the sense of growing, if I'm going to challenge somebody else to be their best version of themselves, I have to do that to myself too. And I need to be living in alignment because if I'm not living in alignment, I don't think my business is going to reflect that. And I want my business to reflect that.
0: Oh, certainly. Oh, certainly. Now I'm going to ask you a big question. These things just popping in mind. This is a really big it's question. It's all right. I love it. I'm having right. so much fun. That's awesome. I, I've asked this to a lot of my colleagues. I'm very curious what you think about it. So okay. we know that generally a majority of the population does not exercise regularly. The percentage is very, very low. Oh, I know. How do we change that?
1: (laughs) That's a really good question. I think education is a big part of it. And I think showing people what will happen if they don't do it. And it's kind of like, if you're, what's going to happen if you stay on the path that you're on, what's your life going to look like in Mm -hmm. six months, three years, five years, what's your health going to look like? Well, what's your health going to look like if you start prioritizing it now, what are you going to be able to do in six months, one year, three years, 10 years? And are you going to be 80 years old catching up with your lifestyle choices? Are you going to be 80 years old, you know, going out on your boat? I read the stat yesterday or the day before that five to 10% of all diseases are genetic Mm -hmm. and 90 to 95% of them are all due to faulty lifestyle. So it's kind of really somebody having to be really honest with themselves and say, what kind of life do I want to live? And what am I willing to do? And do you want to invest in your health on the front end? Or do you want to be sick in a hospital bed for 10 years in and out?
0: How do we get that message out in mass that people will pay attention to it and actually create action for it?
1: I think it's repetition. And I think it's having more conversations like these. Uh I think it's, it's just get repetition and doing things that are educating. I think, I think education is a missing link in the fitness industry a little bit because it's like, let's get fit and look good, but cool. (laughs) But let's actually talk about the health benefits of it too. And not just the health benefits of like, you know, muscular, but actually looking into your hormones and your blood type, all that, that kind of stuff and go, go one level deeper than just being healthy because you can still have a six pack and not be healthy on the inside. Kind of like that skinny fat, right? Like, sure. sure. Yeah.
0: So, okay. So see, I never know what I'm going to say, but this is oh, good. telling me, pushes me on this. Okay. So if you were tasked with creating a nationwide commercial about health and wellness, okay. Now you see the stuff that's out there now, right? It's different products and services, mm-hmm. Peloton, mirror, But it was like a PSA, and it was about how do we get our nation to be healthier? What would that commercial look like?
1: I can do this. You can do it. (laughs) If I were to give a public service announcement question... Oh, I'm feeling the pressure. Don't be pressured. No, it's, a, this. it's
0: okay. <laughs> I know,
1: but I like really want to say it right. And I'm like putting myself in, like I'm giving a PSA right now. <laughs> I'm trying to channel the answers here.
0: Channel it, channel it. <laughs> You're like, I didn't re- realize this was going to happen. When I get <laughs>
1: You know, what immediately comes to my mind is that you have the power to choose. You have the power to design your life and not live it by default. And you, you get to choose what you put into your head. You get to choose your quality of thinking Mm. and your quality of thinking determines your actions and your actions determine your health. So what do you need to shift in your thinking in order to create health in your life? And why is that health important to you? And what will you be able to do? If you have more health, what kind of fun would you be able to have? How would you feel? What would you be able to do? And use that. That would be my PSA. You can design it. You have the power.
0: <laughs> I like that. You have the power. You have control over what comes into your mind and all those things. I've never asked anybody that question. I just literally popped up.
1: That's a good one.
0: It's different, right? I mean, yeah. I think I've thought about this myself on some Some way, mine would be. You want to hear mine? Yes, please. Yes, I do. I'm gonna take you off the hook here. (laughs) I'm a big fan of like historical things in this of exercise and where we've been. So I like data about hunter gatherer societies and all those things. And Dr. Daniel Lieberman is awesome at Harvard. His book Exercise is amazing. Our kind of biological and anthropological origins of physical activity and exercise. And I feel like what we tell people is like, you should do this. You should do this. You should do this. My PSA would come on and be like, you don't like to do this, right? We know. And yeah. actually, you probably shouldn't. Just because biologically and anthropologically, what we're doing is very, uh, is not native to how we've always spent our calories throughout the course of human history. But we're like, to give people permission to like say, Yes, we understand. You may not want to do this. I understand this, but you have to, actually. This is, and then contrast where the convenience of society, that there's a trade-off. Convenience is a trade-off. You're trading one thing for another thing. If you have more comfort, you have less challenge and strenuousness when you, and, and, and so on and so forth. Anyways, you know, I don't know how the graphics and stuff would be, you know, that, but yeah, it'll be something like that. Like, Hey, yeah. A lot of people complain. I don't want to do it. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. We know. And guess what? I'm gonna give you permission to be like, that's okay. But yeah. you got to turn a corner. You got to make a decision. Then I would have had your part into there. Like you have control over this in many ways. It's a well, rough, I think you
1: know that's why I, and I'm very connected to nature, but I think that's why doing things that are in nature are so mm. Yeah. Uh, one good for your health because we need to be grounded anyway. And then two, you think about like hiking long time, or you think about swimming in the ocean. You know, I had a friend, him and I went camping one time and he's, you know, just picking up rocks. You see Paul check, he stacks rocks for yeah. workout and these yeah. are natural things. And this is also where your movement patterns should mimic natural things mm-hmm. as well. And things that you would do in real life so that it does feel natural. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I totally get what you're saying because it isn't natural for us to like, okay, I got my gym bag, going into a gym, I'm going to lift the bell. (laughs)
0: bell. It's not natural, you know, it goes against all of our biological tendencies over thousands and thousands of years. Another question just popped up. Do you think we're too distracted with in society, but on another level, is our fitness too distracting and, and the things we do to distract us to become fit?
1: Um, tell me more. Do you mean like, what do you mean by distract us to become fit? Like what t- takes a us away from becoming is, fit?
0: So a lot of fitness is entertainment, right? Right. It's entertainment. It's, yeah. uh, let's have this element so that you won't feel like it's too hard. Right. Or it's difficult. So my question rephrasing is, is there too much entertainment or is there too much distraction? And we're not associating with the you know, hearing what's going on in our body, monitoring what's happening inside of our body, that type of thing.
1: 1000%. And I can even give you a little bit of a personal example from this, just emotionally really is that like, I don't like feeling my emotions. I feel them very strongly, in my emotions, but I will like watch TV or do something. So I don't feel them. And I think when we do the same thing, like, you know, our body's motion is lotion. So if we have an ache or pain, that might be because we're not moving our bodies enough, but our body just goes, okay, well, if there's a pain, let me just sit here and let me watch TV and not move anything because there's hurting. So definitely we distract ourselves from not wanting to do it because it's hard. It's not, yeah. it's not, it's not fun. It's not fun yeah. until you make it fun. It's a challenge. Nobody wants to have their muscles aching and burning and get all sweaty, but you learn to love it because then you learn how good it makes you feel every other time, yeah.
0: 100%. Um, you know, it's it's true. It's like admitting these things, you know? it's, it's I've, I've talked to different people about kind of this whole distraction thing. A buddy of mine, Dwayne Wimmer, he's very much like not into the entertainment aspects of yeah. fitness and how we try to like cover the truth of fitness with entertainment. Right. So let's tell everybody that, no, 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 this is fine. Like, it's always fun. Like, you got to have a great time all the time in order to, to participate in it type of thing Right. versus telling the reality of many things in life, which is, hey, they get better at something. There's going to be a lot of difficult times. And well,
1: and it's not even fun in the moment. Like I get right. what you're saying. Where you're trying to make you it fun. I mean? but it, yeah. yeah. It's I, I hear what you're saying with the, we try to make exercise fun of like, oh we're doing weird things, but is that thing <laughs> actually helping us? But it's the fun is when you can do something with more energy or more flexibility yes. or more endurance than you've ever done. And, you know, you get that runner's high after exercising. That's what makes it feel good. It's the after effect. It's like, I love this. Wouldn't you want to sacrifice one hour a day of being uncomfortable for an extra 23 hours of feeling comfortable and confident?
0: Right. Yeah. That's a love pretty that.
1: darn good trade-off that's if you ask trade-off. me.
0: Actually, you know, it's funny, you just mentioned the runner's high, there's some really interesting research uh, that is maybe changing what that actually is. Interesting. Or that and that the runner's high is generally thought of to be kind of endogenous in, uh, dor- endorphin based release. Yeah. But some current research is starting to indicate that it might be from the endocannabinoid system in the interesting. body, which would be uh very different for a lot of people It <laughs> was maybe it would change a lot of things yeah just like the research on metabolism has changed dram- dramatically over the last year and so but you know it's the messaging like we're talking about having fun i don't think people necessarily thinking about the fun the way you just said it i agree with that i think that's great a lot of times the presentation is you need to have fun like in order to not feel that this right. is difficult right thing right i'm just curious about your thoughts on that too especially
1: and or in order we have to have fun to not feel that it's difficult yeah. I, it, one i think the the lead up always to exercising or doing something difficult is way more challenging in our minds mm. than it is physically mm.
0: i love that yeah i you know what i love that That is so true. It's like this impression you create in your mind of how the hardship you're going to have with this, the journey, the story that we're telling, the story you tell yourself about fitness and wellness versus just doing the damn thing and starting it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And how many times you work with somebody like they didn't really want to do it, but then once they're doing it, they're in the mission, they're in the zone with it. They're just, okay, we're moving, we're getting this thing going. But it's that, it's that, that story ahead of time that is actually what hurts people so much in that yeah. process.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> You're thinking about something. I see it.
1: <laughs> I was. I was having something play out in my mind. It was mind. playing
0: in your mind. I saw it. <laughs> I saw it in your mind. I actually saw the story start. It went across your forehead like this. It was like, ah. <laughs>
1: I was having a visual of what you were saying, but I was, I was thinking about how like our bodies are made to move and the fact that we feel so good. I mean, even just if you stand up and did 10 squats right now, you would probably feel a little bit more energized right after you did that, because that's what our, our bodies are made to move. We're there, you know, we're made to like run, jump, squat, lunge, play, but we're stationary all the time. But so doing these movements is like we get endorphins because it, it's what we're made to do. So it's, yeah. it's like, you just got to start small.
0: I, you totally got to start small. You have to change the narrative in your mind about oh. what you think it is or isn't. And I think that's the education piece. This is the PSA we're talking about here. <laughs> it's like getting people, I, I'm on this big mission with people. I'm like, with all my, my uh, colleagues is like, we got to figure out a way to make this more palatable to people. Yeah. Because so many people are just like, this is counterintuitive. I don't want to feel uncomfortable. I don't want to start this whole thing. And have this, there's, it's not changed in like 30, 40 years, literally.
1: Okay. It's just what you said. I don't want to be uncomfortable. But what's more uncomfortable, doing something on your terms or doing something where you're getting surgery? Isn't that going to be uncomfortable as well? As so you think that somebody just doing it for you of cutting you open and you having to the recovery aspect of it is going to be easier than going on a walk for an hour.
0: Yeah. But you know, it's a hard thing about people though, is like they, general humans have a hard time for seeing something bad happen to them. Yeah. The time they don't look at, we don't look at things like that. We go, Oh, that's, that could be way down the road, whatever. You know, they don't see the severity unless it like hits them. It's like this slow moving glacier.
1: Um, Great quote by Paul check. I'm not going to get it verbatim, but if we have a big enough dream, we don't need a crisis. That's what it is mm-hmm. because most people, and I've seen it with clients, they come into the gym after they've had a life-threatening thing. Happen most
0: definitely most yeah. so, there's a crisis that happens. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So if we have something that is like, we are so passionate about the willing that we would do anything for, whether that's a person, a place or activity, whatever it is, if that emotional connection is big enough, we don't need the crisis to get healthy.
0: Love that. You know, it's, so as part of like, how do we get people not to get to the point where there's a crisis to change that? Like, cause it's this weird thing of like, you know, people are so reactive, not necessarily so proactive about their health. And how do we prevent the crisis? Because you're right. A lot of people I've done that with a lot of people that come in. My doctor said this and this I had this happen. I got to change your life. Why does it take that point to get you there? You know. Yeah, well, it it's
1: scary and it's vulnerable to admit that you need help to admit that something's wrong with you. It's scary to actually look at yourself truly and see that there's something that's not quite right. And then it's even more vulnerable to go, I need help with this. So I think it's kind of a matter of, you know, as a coach empathizing enough, helping them set it up on the front end that you know, where they're at is valid, how they feel is valid, and to help guide them in a slow, sustainable, manageable way so that they can confidently take it on.
0: So, all right, just maybe think of something else. This is what I, I this is always, this is no, surprised. this is great. I, I love don't, it. I have no clue. That's, I don't like planning for this. I just let the let stuff happen. Yeah. So you're talking to a brand new person, like they want to get in the business. What would you tell them about working with clients like we've worked with? What would Give them some like sage advice that will help them to become better uh, performers in this business.
1: First thing that comes to my mind is do it yourself. Don't be teaching your client something that you wouldn't do. Yes. And know who you're working with because somebody who's had a knee replacement or a hip replacement or lower back pain is not going to be able to do the same thing that a healthy 25 year old male is going to do. And I think a lot of trainers train their clients, like they would train themselves. Right. So I think really knowing who you're talking to and keep learning (laughs) and keep experimenting and trying new things. Cause that's, I mean, that's, that's how you can get better Great
0: and advice. ask for help. Ask for help. Great yeah. advice. How, how important in your mind is the personal nature of the session to you?
1: How important is it?
0: Yeah.
1: It's pretty darn important. Uh, on a couple different levels, one, just the human the just the connection that you're making with people. I would say that most of my clients are like also really good friends. yep. but then also, and it's that's so funny how that happens with this industry because you spend, you know especially if you're doing one on one, you spend you know three hours a week with somebody. Mm-hmm. like that's you know more time than I spend with my own mother. Yeah. Um but so I think that aspect is really good and you have to, you know, get along well with the person, but then also like somebody is trusting you with their body and trusting that you're going to take care of them and that you're not going to injure them and so for you to show up as best as you can one well, each and every time because every new session is the first one for that person whether you've done 10 or today or not. Um but I think it's such a honor to be able for somebody to trust you with your body. So I think as a trainer, it is your, in your best interest to pay really close attention and be very specific about how you're coaching people.
0: Do you think there's enough education in the personal aspect of it for trainers?
1: No, no. And I've, you know, I used to hire brand new trainers and we, I liked doing that because then I could train them the way that I wanted to Mm -hmm. train them in the way that I wanted them to teach because they have no idea the, you know, maybe they know how to do an exercise, but do they actually know how to instruct the exercise? Like I can know how to do it, but do you know how to cue somebody to feel it in your glutes or push through your heels a little bit more or engage your core? And what does that feel like? Do you know how to ask the questions to, you know, connect with them and, and get to know them on a personal level? And do you know how to educate them on what they're doing so that they know why they're doing it so that you build the trust and rapport with them? I think, I don't think those are taught. I think we're more taught like the, here's how to maybe write a program. Yeah. Here's what it is, but there's not a lot of coaching on the coaching aspect.
0: Right. Right. And there's a movement to try to get more of that in, but I don't see it as a, a large thing. Still. I feel like there's still a lot of emphasis on the technical aspect of training, which is important, right. Obviously. Right. but I've been in the business a long time and most of my clients have been with me well over a decade. Yeah. And it's mostly how we make how I make my, how I make them feel about themselves, how I connect with them through the difficulties in their life, the personal tragedies and triumphs and all those things. And I think as a trainer, you have to have really good social, emotional growth over the time yourself. Yeah, And often, I don't know if you know, if you're going to be that type of person going into the business, you know, which is why the, this stat is crazy. I think I was, I was reading this with a lot of my colleagues was that I think the average personal training career is like under two years. It's crazy. It's so bad. It's yeah. so bad. You know.
1: Um, two things I wanted to add to that. One, when trainers are first, again, we talked about this earlier, where the barrier to entry is so low, so a lot of people go, "Oh, I'll be a personal trainer." Yeah. And then two, they don't have any money to keep investing in their continuing education. Right. So, like, you know, we could make a program of how to teach a trainer, but are they going to? know that this is something worthwhile to invest in. Yeah. And then two, I would say most of the trainers that I've had brought on, like their lifespan is 100% correct. Yeah. It's been about two years.
0: It's short. I mean, it's it's staggering. Yeah. Um. You know, you see the whole thing where people go from being trainers to like insurance agents or real estate agents and stuff like that. It just go into, I've had so many colleagues who just switch careers. Yeah. For that. And, but we got to make it a better career for people, you know, and I think that low barrier to entry, it just hurts us. I think it hurts us tremendously.
1: Well, and you don't get good at it until you've been doing it for (laughs) three, four years.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You need the repetitions, you know, (laughs) like every session is a rep
1: Yeah, and is doing it
0: over and over again, creating mastery of something. Oh, you, know? you
1: know, the scariest thing is when you, you you're training somebody new for the very first time, it's like, all right, all these skills I've been learning, let's go, let's make sure I shine them off. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, oh, and you know, being good at something again takes a, it takes a yeah. while.
1: Yeah.
0: And I think sometimes in our society, we want to skip ahead on everything. Microwave. You know? Why yeah. do we want to we always want to be the best in two days or you want to be in the best condition in 30 days, like when does that ever, when is that ever true? You know?
1: So I even, I'm, I'm only a year, just, just barely over a year into my third business. And so I'm like, I'm not even tripping. I, I think, yeah. I think it, you know, I know from the first one, it took me three and a half years for it to get it to where I was wanted to go. So I'm like, all right, like buckle down. It's going to take, you know, two, three years for you to get yourself where you want to be. So enjoying the process of the journey of learning, growing, re-entering and repeating yeah. over and over again.
0: Most definitely. I, just, I love when uh, fitness professionals talk to each other in these formats because we need to have a good community yeah. of colleagues together where we discuss the issues of our business, be honest about the shortfalls of it, the pitfalls of it and the great things about it. Do you see yourself over time continuing to train people regularly as you become more and more seasoned and and stay in the career?
1: Yes. So the one thing that I don't want to do long-term is one-on-one train. I -hmm. like it and I will do it for certain people, but I do know that my knowledge and expertise will go way farther in the educational aspect And whether that be educating the average person, or I also see myself later on the line training other trainers. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of value to be adding. But I 100% am not going to move from working with people in a group setting, or you know, I will work with people one-on-one. But you know, so my short answer, yes, 100%. I'm here. I'm in it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm in in it. I'm in it. Yeah. It was interesting. I a lot of my colleagues are like my age or older. Yeah. And so many of them don't train anybody anymore. And it's always, hard. It's, it's like, it is a, it is a hard thing. You know, like I even think to myself, I've been training people for 21 years. I'm like, I I'm still pretty young. Like, you know, yeah. like, I'm looking ahead it like, it's a long time, you know, but I've, I don't know. I just noticed that so many of my colleagues, they just kind of stop doing it over time. And I always, it's hard when you like move away from the ground level of something. Yeah. If you start getting, when you're further, you get away from the origin of something, sometimes you forget what it's actually like, you know, for that, that element of it, you know? Yeah.
1: I mean, it's, it's hard, especially, I mean, it's hard for me to do it back to back via Zoom because I do all my training via Zoom now, yeah. but, you know, even being in the gym, I would train eight to 10 hours a day. So that's the hard thing about it. One, you're on your feet all day, walking mm-hmm. around, having to be your absolute best version every single yeah. hour of the day. And then two, in order to scale and make a lot of money, you got to train a lot of clients. So you have to be really busy. So that's, it's tough to sustain for a long time. You
0: know, what's funny as I, as I've gotten older, I have definitely gone against that. Like I'm, I train a lot, but I I also have like a cutoff of what I will and won't do. Yeah, And I'm pretty sure I sacrifice money too, because I just don't care. Sometimes I just want to, yeah. I'm in the middle of the day to do whatever I want to do. Yeah. And, uh, I think sometimes, uh, you know, everybody has different things that not want to do, but, uh, my pursuit is certainly just to have quality sessions and make a good living, which I've done in my entire career, but not overdo it where I have so much volume that I can't enjoy my life. You know?
1: Right. Um, I went a whole entire year without taking a break and doing training. And I took one week off at the end of the year and it was just like almost a meltdown because it was so much stress, just like all of a sudden processing at once. So ever since that moment, I've learned to, you know, sacrifice some dollars for my quality of life because I've learned that if I don't have my health, I can't be, if I'm not creating balance for myself, how can I teach somebody else to do that? If I'm not setting boundaries for myself, I can't teach you how to do it either. (laughs) It's so true. I
0: I had a (laughs) colleague I was talking to and I was like, yeah, I I don't work past this time. And I own my own businesses too. And I'm like, control my schedule. Said I don't work past this time, uh, blah. And they're like, how do you do that? I'm like, I just do it. Like I Like set a time. I have a calendar. I don't like get lulled into like, Doing Because, you know, when you're as a trainer, when you take on more people, you're taking on a lot of energy, a lot of emotion. Definitely. Because I get like this almost psychic turbulence you're going into each time. Definitely. And you got to say, okay, is the monetary value worth all of this energy that I'm going to be projecting and receiving as Right, well? right. And, but, you know, when you're starting out, you have to get some volume, you got to get things going in order to have a sustainable business, but you got to be careful because you're, you, this isn't a cubicle job. No. You know, you can't just like close the door and start crying and stuff, blah, blah, blah. You know, like, I don't want to talk to anybody today. The lights, camera action are on every single session. Yeah. Every time, you know, you can't be giving C-level performances. Like be, you got to come with it every time.
1: Especially personal training usually Special. comes at a pretty penny, right? And people, if they're paying you know That's 70 exactly to 100 right. bucks a session, they want to get their money's worth,
0: of course, they deserve it, of course. And I, you know, I host switch my old thing, liker I was like, you know, I don't want to train a mega ton of people, so I'm going to make it fairly expensive, yeah, have less people, less yeah. time, and that way I can give everything to the whole thing. whereas it's like, I don't, you know, if somebody tells me they have. Like crazy absurd amount of people. I'm like, there's no way you're like serving all those people yeah. effectively. Yeah. Like you're mailing it in guaranteed on some of those, you know. So Definitely. I think you have to be careful for it. Hey, this was your first podcast episode. It
1: was. Right? Um, I'm curious if you wouldn't mind me sharing a poem about the body since we talked about it and we're poets Let's in here. <laughs> poets
0: here. This is personal poets, personal training poets. <laughs> Let's do it.
1: Okay, I made sure to pick one that was relevant to I know what I knew that we were talking about. Okay, you ready? I've all never right. recited one of my Oh my songs. gosh,
0: you're getting me nervous. Don't be nervous, Megan.
1: <laughs> okay. My body it's beautiful. It sets me free. It allows me to move, to love and just be. It works, it plays, it requests time for rest. All in all, it wants me to feel best. So I'm grateful, young body, for the things you do. I just want you to know I love you, too. Oh,
0: that's nice. <laughs> that was very nice.
1: <laughs> oh, my God, so much fun. Thank you for so letting me read fun.
0: that. Yeah, so you're going to remember this, right? You're going to remember yes. this one. Tell I about.
1: mean, you really set the bar really high because this has been you know? so much fun.
0: <laughs> you don't want to be on a stiff podcast. You know, a lot of podcasts are real stiff and they are like, Megan, here's the 10 questions I'm going to ask you. So you're gonna be like okay i'm gonna can these answers yeah. <laughs> like well, i have is, no clue what's happening here man it's like pow
1: <laughs> well it's actually positive for me i was like a host perspective too sure. like just hearing how you did it was very enlightening so thank you
0: oh no problem you know I'll i have to have
1: this. you on my podcast i'm into
0: it i'm oh, totally into it, it. Party let's Bye bye. <laughs> all right no, it will be really awesome. I'm grateful that you uh, gave me some of your time today. Yeah, I really you appreciate too. it. Thank you. So, uh, everyone, Megan, uh, I don't want to mess up your last name.
1: Oh, Zucra.
0: Zucra. You see how she says Zucra. Zucra. <laughs> Megan Zucra. Yes. Here with us yeah. today, at Dr. D's social network until the next time. Thanks, Megan.
1: Thanks.